I mean, you had healthcare providers who had been banned from seeing female patients because of sexual misconduct complaints, or who even had patients die in surgery, uh, who just completely flew under the radar. The people who should have been making sure that they weren't out there continuing to possibly put patients at risk simply missed it. This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we'll take a closer look at an audit by North Carolina State Auditor Beth Wood into the state's Medicaid system. For the News and Observer, I'm Lucille Sherman, your host for this episode of Under the Dome. It's Friday, March 26th. Last month, history repeated itself. In February, North Carolina State Auditor Beth Wood released an audit detailing problems with the state's Medicaid system. She released a similar audit detailing similar findings in 2014, and my colleague Will Doran has written a handful of stories about it over the past month or so. Will, can you help me understand exactly what this report showed? Yeah. So in North Carolina, we spend around $14 billion a year of taxpayer money on Medicaid. Uh, Some of that comes from the state. It's mostly from the feds, but all of it ultimately is paid for by you and me. And what this audit found was that in multiple ways, uh, the people in charge of making sure that the money is spent properly were simply not doing their job. Um, It's also troubling because there's an undercurrent of, you know, really you have here nobody looking out for kids and for low-income families who are the majority of people on Medicaid. I mean, you had healthcare providers who had been banned from seeing female patients because of sexual misconduct complaints or who even had patients die in surgery, uh, who just completely flew under the radar. The people who should have been making sure that they weren't out there continuing to possibly put patients at risk simply missed it. So that's the human side of it. The financial side is we don't even know exactly how much money might have been wasted, but it could easily be in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, There's lots of technical details in the audit. It's 40-something pages long. Uh, You know, if people want to read the whole thing for themselves, they can go and find my stories on the News Observer website, uh, or you can go to the auditor's website and find it on theirs, uh, like I said, if you want to read the whole thing. Uh, But basically, it just boils down to failures of oversight at the Department of Health and Human Services here in North Carolina. Uh, They were basically just falling down on the job. Um, You know, they weren't even finding things like doctors who had lost their licenses, but were still not only seeing patients, but billing Medicaid for those patients they were seeing when they shouldn't have been practicing at all. Um, So it was a failure to stop waste, but also a failure to protect patients. Yeah, I personally, when I read your story, Will, I was so shocked. I went ahead and read the whole audit. Um, Maybe that's a little unusual. I'm not sure everyone wants to do that, but I certainly did. It was a pretty shocking thing to read both your story and the audit itself. Um, What I was particularly surprised by is what you mentioned of doctors who were disciplined or had limitations on their license being able to practice without they just sort of kept going. I don't know. They didn't have to abide by their limitations or if their license had been revoked. How is that even possible? Yeah, so there's a a couple of different angles to this. And I mean, the short answer to your question is it it shouldn't be possible. Um, And that was the problem that the audit found, that we should not be allowing people, uh, you know, to continue, uh, you know, practicing, doing things that they shouldn't be allowed to do. Um, And yet not only were we failing to stop them, we were 
handing them, you know, in hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in a few of these instances of, uh, of these practitioners. And so basically what you have is a couple different things. You have, you know, for very serious misconduct, a doctor, a dentist, a nurse can just completely permanently lose their license. Um, and for, you know, less serious, but still bad misconduct, you can either have it temporarily suspended or you can have a limitation put on it, you know, say like, okay, you can do these sorts of things, but you can't do these sorts of things. And basically what happened here was DHHS just wasn't checking in on any of that to make sure that, you know, people weren't still doing those things that they weren't supposed to do. Just nobody checked. So whenever this happens, when someone loses their license, it is a public record, which is good. Uh, what's not good is that information is not easy to find. There's no centralized place to, to get it. So in order to see it, you have to know about all of the various different licensing boards we have. You have to be able to figure out not only how to navigate their websites, but also how to find and interpret these reports. So it, it's a lot of work. Um, but DHHS is the government, so they were able to set up a system where basically whenever someone who dealt with Medicaid patients had their license revoked or suspended, an email would automatically get sent to some guy in the Medicaid department. Uh, he was then supposed to send that up the chain to make sure that those people got flagged so that they couldn't get any money since they weren't supposed to be seeing patients at all. That guy just for years never got those emails. DHHS just totally missed all of it. I have multiple questions, some of which I think I already know the answer to, but is this dude still working for DHHS? Do we know? So DHHS will not tell us anything about this person. We know or at least suspect it's a man just from, you know, pronouns people have used kind of generically referencing this person. But DHHS has declined to tell us who this person is, what their job title is. So, you know, we don't even have, you know, some pretty basic questions like something I asked, you know, like was getting these emails his only job? You know, was it 50% of his job? Was it 1% of his job? You know, in terms of accountability, details like that, you know, make a big difference. If, you know, this is the only thing this person is supposed to be doing and for five or six years they just didn't do it, that's a big deal. But if they're, you know, a super overworked state employee who has to do the jobs of eight different people and this just fell through the cracks, maybe that's a little bit more understandable, but they won't tell us those details. So, and we also don't know how exactly these emails got missed. I mean, you know, was the guy just not opening his email for a few years? Was it an overaggressive spam filter? Did they like misspell the email address when they signed up for it? We don't know. All that we know is for whatever reason, for five or six years, they never got any emails through the system that they had set up. And I guess just assumed that doctors and everybody else were just on their best behavior and weren't getting in trouble. But, you know, usually there's, you know, on average, maybe a couple a month, uh, you know, who who get in trouble, lose their license uh, or, you know, have it limited or whatever. So, you know, that that seems a little surprising that, you know, for years and years, uh, people just assumed that there were no issues. Um, so basically what Beth Wood did is she went back and looked at 2019 and found that there were 26 Medicaid providers who had lost their license 
uh, either permanently or temporarily. But of those 26, DHHS missed 18 of them completely. And so these ranged from things like substance abuse to serious mental health issues that impacted their ability to do their job to sexual misconduct, like we mentioned earlier, to one person who was even convicted of a felony for healthcare fraud that DHHS still missed and was allowing to, uh, you know, remain on the uh, the approved Medicaid provider list. Um, so it appears that, you know, most of these people did actually stop practicing as you're supposed to do when you lose your license, but not all of them. Uh, you know, one person who had gotten in trouble for drinking on the job and had his license suspended was still billing Medicaid. Another person who had gotten in trouble for watching porn on duty and also had allegations regarding inappropriate exams of female patients was still working. And combined, we paid them $1.6 million while they were not supposed to be seeing patients. Um, and they saw more than 2,000 people uh, when, you know, DHHS could have stepped in and stopped them, but didn't. Yeah. And the other thing that's particularly shocking to me about this is that Bethwood had the same findings or nearly the same findings in 2014. And another audit she did of this system. Can you tell me what was the difference between that 2014 audit and now? So there wasn't a whole lot of difference. I mean, basically, this one was sort of a, a sequel to that 2014 audit. So she did that. She found basically all of these same problems back in 2014 and then decided, you know, a few years later to come back and double check, say, you know, hey, have y'all actually fixed this? And it turned out they had not. Now, I should say it was not for a lack of trying. It was more just a lack of execution. Um I don't know how much better that makes it, um, but, you know, that is that is a fair <laughs> to say, you know, for instance, the email system that they set up was in regards to that 2014 audit. It never worked, but they at least had tried to do something. And so, you know, maybe now they'll actually this time be able to figure out how to make it work. Um, they also figured out. Uh, after that 2014 audit, they created a tool called a web scraper uh, that let them basically automatically look for updates about people losing credentials or things like that. But kind of similar to the emails, it hadn't worked for years and just nobody knew that until Wood looked at it herself and told them. Um, so, you know, you can you can make your own, uh, you know, conclusions from all of that, you know, but DHHS is saying, you know, they are owning these errors and say that they're, you know, already at work fixing things. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. One more quick note to say I write web scrapers. And one sort of key thing about writing web scrapers is making sure they work. Uh, so I have a hard time. <laughs> wrapping my brain around this a little bit, you know, you just test it one time or keep an eye on it to make sure it actually grabs the thing that you're looking for. So still kind of confused, but is there anything in particular that struck you about this or stood out to you the most about this sort of in your reporting on it? I, I think probably the big thing is that this could have all easily been avoided. I mean, like I said, it's not like this came out of left field, that 2014 audit found lots of these same things. Um, in DHHS's defense, there are 90,000 Medicaid providers in the state, um, and it does take a lot of effort to conduct oversight on 90,000 of anything. 
Um, you also have, you know, kind of the the political angle a little bit here, which is, you know, the 2014 audit was in the Pat McCrory administration. This new audit is in the Roy Cooper administration. Obviously, when a new governor takes over, they replace all of the top people at basically every state agency. So, you know, you do lose some institutional knowledge. Priorities get changed, things like that. So, you know, there is, I guess, you know, maybe maybe that's a lesson here that, you know, <laughs> when you when you have a big embarrassing audit and then uh, you have a, a new governor come in, uh, as we know for sure, no matter what, we're going to have a new governor in uh, 2025 since uh, Governor Cooper is term limited. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the whoever's governor then needs to remember, hey, you know, we had that, you know, pretty bad audit wasting millions and millions and millions of dollars in Medicaid potentially. And, you know, I, I need to make sure that uh, I give people the proper tools uh, to do this. One other thing that stuck out to me is... The fact that it even took Beth Wood, the elected state auditor, coming in and finding all of this. I mean, DHH has its own internal auditing staff. They have 40-something auditors on staff, and they wouldn't tell me how many of them work on Medicaid. So we're not you know, exactly sure how many of those 40 are in charge of you know, something that never touches Medicaid or only do Medicaid. We don't really know that breakdown. But, you know... State pays a couple million dollars a year in salary, keeping this big internal auditing staff. And all of these problems went on for years and years and years, never got caught until Beth Wood followed up on it herself. And her office doesn't work for free. <laughs> you know, she wrote in her in her report that, you know, her staff spent around 4,000 hours putting this audit together. You know, that cost around a half a million dollars worth of on the clock time that could have gone to other stuff if DHHS had caught this on their own with their own internal auditing staff that they already paid themselves. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of layers. I, <laughs> I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, I don't know. Was there anything that uh, particularly stuck out to you? Mainly the thing with providers sort of continuing to practice in ways they're not supposed to was the big thing for me. But I think your points about those two things, one, that there was an internal, there are internal auditors in the state agency. So the external state auditor doesn't have to come in for these things or in theory shouldn't have to. I think that's an important point and worth knowing that that's where our taxpayer dollars are going. The other thing that stuck out to me was, yeah, that there was a new administration in between the last audit and this one. And that's an important point, too. There's turnover and that may have prevented the agency from making any significant changes, although they still had a little bit of time to do so. Um, Will, last question for you. What's next sort of in this? Where do we go from here? Well, the immediate step is, you know, trying to get back some of this money that we have sent out to people that we should not have sent the money to, um, you know, million dollars here, a few hundred thousand dollars there. It adds up. Um, and so DHHS is working on that. We have 90,000 Medicaid providers in North Carolina. The audit itself did not look at every single one of those people. It took samples, you know, but it found things like, you know, out of a sample of 191, you know, the state had not done its proper due diligence on 185 of them. So like 97% to make sure that they actually, you know, were qualified to be doing the work that we were paying them to do. So now DHHS needs to, one, go back and make sure that it has done due diligence on people, two, put, you know, proper 
safeguards in place to make sure that, you know, they're not dropping the ball on that again in the future. And then three, get that money back. Um, and, you know, all, all sort, all, all three of those are sort of going on at the same point, you know, different parts of it take longer than others. Some things, you know, been going on since this month. Some pe- things probably won't get started until later this year. Um, you know, just because of, you know, sort of the, the bureaucratic nature of some of the things and just the difficulty. Um, you know, some of it is easier than others. So, you know, it's, it's a constant process over there, um, to, to try to respond to this and fix things. But to their credit, you know, DHHS is not shirking responsibility on this. Uh, they are owning it. Uh, you know, I, I talked to Dave Richard, who is the head of the Medicaid program. And he told me, quote, we're accountable, we own it, we need to correct it immediately, and we're getting it done. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Will. This is really interesting. Um, I'm Lucille Sherman for the News and Observer. See you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for her weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.